calling this obedience. Obedience. I don't know about you, but I believe that this couldn't have come at a better time than now. And oftentimes I feel we naturally complicate things in our life, and that could even be our own relationship with Jesus Christ. And the hope for these next 40 days is that you would not just see the word of God as a matter of duty or how much, uh, how much you take into his word, but really that you learn to apply the word of God into your own life. Like imagine with me, guys, imagine with me if we are able to really take the words of Christ seriously. In the, in the early church, they did not, you know, they didn't own their own personal Bibles. But the things they knew, the things that they knew of Christ, they usually applied those things. And they knew that they were loved. They knew that they were called to be servants. They knew that they were to, supposed to be generous to one another. And this was driven by their deep and compelling understanding of Christ and his love for them. That the life that they lived on earth was not their final home, but as Christ showed the work on the cross and the redemption for all who believe, we now have hope in the greater glory of God. So in these next 40 days for all of us, it's so important for every single person here, every single person here, I, I really believe this, and this is what the gospel preached, that you matter because Christ loves you. You matter. No matter what background or story you have, Christ loves you. And we're going to be seeing this in five different pillars throughout the next 40 days. And it's going to help us really focus on a few things. The five things are being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going. And for me, I'm so excited for us because we're going to be starting off on this, on this perspective of, of obedience. And so I'll be leading us into this study today in Matthew 7, verse 24 to 29. And we're going to be reading the word of God. So if you are able, if you can rise for the reading of God's word. This is the word of God. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to start off this, uh, this message by kind of just sharing a little bit, uh, just a, like a, a small story. And uh, for, for me growing up, I, I've never actually had the opportunity uh, to be near a beach. Like one of those really nice beaches, is, as some of you may know, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, right? Anchorage, Alaska, 907, hey, hey. Um, I grew up there, and the word beach, the word beach, it would usually refer to an ocean that we can fish at. It's a, an ocean that we can fish at. And so like for me, in Alaska, you don't, you don't get the luxurious kinds of beaches where you see the sun glistening on the bright blue waters of Hawaii, nor do you actually get to lay on the nice, soft sand of L.A. and just have the sun glistening on your skin. Like, you don't get that opportunity in Alaska. 
And so for me, like, the first time I actually got to experience a real beach was when I was around second or third grade, when I went to L.A. with my family. And this was, like, for me, like, super exciting. I'd never been to L.A., never been to a beach, so I was really excited. And I remember watching in television, like, in TV shows, like, these families at the beach, and the little kid would be making sandcastles, and the father being around the kid, and they're just smiling. They're having a great time, right? And so in my mind, this is what it was, Right? And so I went to L.A. I went to L.A. We went to the beach. It was very beautiful, very nice. And what I started to do, obviously, was that I started to build sandcastles, right? I had my bucket. I had my little mini shovel. I was building my sandcastle. But the thing is, okay, the thing is, I I actually did not... I did not consider the waves. I did not consider the waters. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up building the sandcastle next to the water. As we all know... When you build next to the water, the waves come in, right? The waves come in, and all of a sudden, I see these waves come rushing in, and I started panicking. No, my sandcastle, no, don't do that. I was, I was talking to the ocean. I don't know why. I was yelling at the, at the waters, but it still came, and swap, bam, swoop, swap, whatever happened. The sandcastle disappeared, Right? And so in my mind, as a creative boy, as a little kid who just always wanted to do imaginary things, what I ended up doing was I ended up building sand walls. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fight this water. I'm going to fight this ocean. So I'm going to build sand walls, right? And so 15 minutes goes in. 15 minutes goes in, and I build these sand walls. I stood tall and proud. I was very proud of my walls. It was at least maybe like this high, right? It wasn't that high, but I was proud of it. I was proud of it. But as soon as the waters came in again, boom, swab, clash, my sand wall went down, my sand castle went down. You know, for me, despite never winning, obviously for me, trust me, I had, I had fun doing this as a kid. I had a lot of fun. But I wasn't building smart. I wasn't building smart. And in con- connection to today's passage, What we are learning through this is that when your life is characterized by a shaky foundation, by building temporary structures that will not last, we see in this passage today that Jesus calls this life a foolish life. Now, I know many for us in this place, we have heard this passage many of times. We have been told a number of times to build on a firm foundation. So for me, I'm not here to speak the obvious. That's not why I'm here. But what I want to do today is for us to reestablish some truth into our life because many of us, it has been such a long time where you've given yourself the chance to be honest with yourself. And I hope, I hope we start to be honest with ourselves and really be real with where you're building your own securities and where your identity is being placed. And when I look at today's passage, this passage for us is perfect. It's perfect for us for, at this very moment. And the reason is, as we've seen in this book, this is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount where we witness some of the most amazing sermons that Jesus gave, which occurs in Matthew 5-7. to And this parable is so special Because we see Jesus bringing us into the story to not only just share a story, but rather he does this to help us realize how desperately he wants us to stop building a house on shaky foundations. 
And rather, he desires many of us in this room to see and believe the importance of why it is important for you to start building your house on the rock. So here we are today. This parable is in front of us. And what we see is that these houses in in this parable is practically identical It's practically identical. Like in my imagination, I'm kind of like thinking of modern day kind of houses. I'm thinking like very bougie, very nice and comforting modern houses. Probably has all the aesthetics, probably has all the gadgets that you need. And so in these two houses, we see very just practically identical in the way that it's built and how it's designed. But on top of that, we see that these two houses are dealing with the same types of forces invading its own space. Like the waves, the storms, the trials, they're all the same. They're all the same. The building itself is the same, but the only aspect that's different in this manner is the very foundation that it's built upon. So we have to ask this question. Why would anyone in the first place build on a shaky foundation, right? Why would you do that in the first place? That's, that's pretty much telling someone, don't touch fire. <laughs> don't touch fire, why? Because you'll burn, <laughs> you'll burn. So it's pretty much, it's, it's, like, it's exactly like that. Of course I shouldn't build on a shaky foundation. That's just not smart. So for us, this is why we have to ask the why. Why would anyone do such a thing? So let's focus. Let's focus on the foolish builder for a second that Jesus is talking about. This foolish builder is building their home on shaky foundations. And what I would go as far as to say is that this foolish builder has probably a shallow and superficial relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. This foolish builder has a shallow and superficial relationship with Jesus Christ. I would go that far because we as people have the most fascinating minds, okay? I'll be honest with you guys. Recently, I finished a, uh, a K-drama, a K-drama. I don't watch K-dramas often. Uh, it's, it's been many years since I've watched a K-drama, but I watched something called Memories of Alhambra. It's on Netflix, okay? It was very, I was so in tune with the drama. It was so great. If you guys don't know what K-drama is, it is Korean drama, and pretty much, it's a show that consists of like 16 episodes or more, give or take. And uh, it's filled. It's filled with these over-dramatized relationships that are driven by the storyline of a love triangle, right? A love, a love triangle. And when you're watching this K-drama, it's like you really want this one couple to get together. Like, come on, just love each other, just be with each other. But then again, this love triangle. There's that one guy, that one dumb dude that gets in the way of everything. So as I finish Memories of Alhambra, throughout the entire K-drama, I kept fantasizing of a virtual life, right? of, of a virtual life driven by love because this whole, this whole drama's main concept was based upon this man fighting in a virtual reality game and pretty much fighting for his loved one. And so I was kind of thinking, how cool would it be to fight for your loved one, right? I don't know if you've seen those kung fu movies before, but, like, they would always be, come to the rescue, and they would rescue that girl, or, like, Super Mario and Peach, right? 
just rescuing the princess, right? Fighting for the princess, doing all the things that you can, winning that fight and winning the love of your life. You know, it's these kinds of things, these kinds of superficial, shallow fantasies that we get so caught up with. This doesn't just relate, though, with just our relationships, but it also clearly reflects in every facet of our lives. That it's easier to have superficial fantasies. But often when we are actually in that place, like if we know that we should love our enemies, but we actually have an enemy, how difficult it is to actually love an enemy. And so when we are in it, we often say to ourselves, this is just how life is supposed to be. Now see, this is what happens, guys. The foolish builder who is living in shallow or a superficial relationship with Jesus Christ, they are not choosing to take God's word seriously. Just like the K-drama where we want to take the bits and pieces of how love is portrayed, we do it in the same way with God's word. What they do is that they avoid the harsh reality of God's word, such words as, die to yourself, take up your cross daily, love your enemies, and follow me. It's these things that we choose to step away from. And so I want us to reflect this thought together. Are you one who is driven by the thought and idea that our God is love? Is that what you're driven by, that our God is love? Is it a matter of how God benefits me, how God comforts me, how God loves me? Are you, are you one who only likes the benefits of how God forgives sinners, but in reality you don't accept the consequences of your own sins? Do you not like the parts where God judges us? Because see, what this foolish person does is that they call Jesus their Lord and Savior, but for them it's only lip service. This person only desires God's blessings, but not God himself. All this person wants is the benefits of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, but what they don't want to do at the end of the day is to surrender his or her life to him. What it comes down to is that this person doesn't choose to obey the words of Jesus Christ. The reason it comes down to this is that the relationship that they say in lip service in reality is non-existent. So if this is you today, brothers and sisters, if you are not hearing his word, if there is no inkling of desire to apply his word into your life, then I would go as far as to say that possibly your relationship with him is either very far away or it's just non-existent. This matter of hearing is so important that I would say even this, and this is so important, the first step to Christian life is to give Christ a chance to be heard. The first step to Christian life is to give Christ a chance to be heard. And another reality that I can imagine for this foolish person is that this person is rooted in stubbornness. Stubbornness. I can imagine that there were people possibly watching this foolish person building their house on shaking foundations. I'm kind of thinking some people would be like, hey, hey, just 
just stop. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. But the foolish builder says, no, 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 this land is cheap. This land is cheap, and it allows me to save enough money to add all the necessities I need. For me, this kind of reminds me of a a recent couple that I I was in the car with not too long ago, and I think some couples can relate to this. Um, Hopefully, I I don't speak into any very sensitive subjects today, but... You know, not too long ago, I was, in an arg- I was kind of in the midst of an argument of a couple that was arguing about Google GPS. <laughs> Google GPS. And, um, you know, this man specifically was very stern, very stern and so strong about knowing his way around. Knowing his way around, that he knows the ins and outs of Seattle downtown. And that, you know, he would have his chest up high, his chin up high, and he would be just like, you know, I know my way around. We don't need no GPS, right? And so, you know, the wife, you know, being very, you know, honorable and very great, you know, respecting the husband, she puts her phone away and she says, okay, let's go. 20 minutes in, right? We're starting to, we're starting to wonder, okay? Are we really okay? Are we really okay? And the husband was like, you know, we're fine. We're fine. I know my way around. I know my way around. And so another 20 minutes passes by. The wife gets a little uneasy. She slowly takes out her phone. And the husband, driving, turns his head, says, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? The wife says, we're clearly lost. We're clearly lost. And the husband was like, no, no, I know my way around. Trust me. But long story short, we couldn't use the GPS because we had no signal. That's how lost we were. Okay? That's how lost we were. It took us an hour and a half to get to our destination when it could have only taken 15 minutes. Okay? So what this is telling us is that this foolish person chooses not to hear God's word, but ends up choosing to trust in hearing his or her own. So how many of us have been at that place or is at that place at this very moment where we're telling ourselves, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do this on my own because I know my way around. But what you don't realize is that when you're choosing to do this on your own, you're choosing to not accept the life-giving relationship of Jesus Christ. You are choosing to miss out on the, good, on the God who is faithful and the good and is able to redeem all your bad to good. You are operating as that little Minguk who is trying to build his own sand wall, thinking that was enough. Or you're trying to be that foolish husband who thought he knew his way around. But if you're choosing to do this life on your own, you're choosing to not accept the life-giving relationship of Jesus Christ. And one final thought that I have of this foolish person is that this person is only focused on a short-term goal. On a short-term goal. What this person sees is not the consequences of their actions, nor does this person consider the future plans, but they only see what's in front of them. The face value. But Scripture clearly speaks loudly about eternity waiting for you and I and how the decisions that we make today will affect us for eternity. 
And this is not speaking into a matter of works righteousness, okay? It's not speaking into that, but it's the manner of obedience being uprooted from your belief and relationship of Jesus Christ. The point of this parable is not so that we continue to live in these foolish ways, but God presents this parable because he desires you and I to live another way. That we may be people who trust in God's word. So as we trust in God's word, that brings me to the wise builder. The wise builder. And Jesus brings attention to us that the wise builder focuses on what? What does he focus on? It's not the aesthetics of the house. It's not what's inside of the house. But it's solely on the most important part of the house. And that is the foundation. The foundation. And now this is the very fascinating thing about foundation. And I was just like mind struck by this. The most crucial part of the building is actually underneath and unseen. The most crucial part of the building is actually underneath and unseen. And so I, I kind of have like an example to kind of share with you guys. So recently, I moved into a new house with a, a couple friends. Okay, we live in the Ballard area. And, um, and we, we recently, you know, invested into this 12-month lease into a new house in Ballard. And, uh, you know, for us, as you, as, if you ever guys come over, you guys are always welcomed. Um, as you walk in, it's actually very modern. It's very nice. It's very clean. Um, it's quite nice. It's very comfortable. There's an awesome kitchen. And for us, it almost seemed too good to be true. Okay, three, three boys living in a decent-looking house, right? And uh, so some of you may know, you know, as soon as we moved into this house, uh, we started getting some complaints. <laughs> uh, we started getting some noise complaints. And uh, we start, and it's, you know, it's been, for, it's been about two months since we moved there, and we've already had maybe probably 10-plus complaints from our neighbor, right? And, um, you know, the initial times, I get, I'll give it to our neighbor. Like, you know, we, we were, like, moving in, and we were nailing things in. <laughs> it was midnight, and uh, it was really loud, right? And so, you know, we, we, we said, you know, we're sorry, we'll, we'll do our best to quiet down. And so we quieted down. And um, the next few days, right, the next few days happened. And uh, what ends up happening is that our neighbor starts to com- complain more. Uh, but she ends up complaining about our footsteps. <laughs> she complains about our footsteps. Um, and the thing is, she doesn't live under us. It's not like an apartment. She lives right next to us, next door neighbor, right? And uh, she starts complaining about like the smallest things, like TV's too loud, uh, our footsteps are too loud, we're talking too loud, <laughs> so we would be whispering at home, and, uh, and pretty much we're like, okay, this is kind of getting too crazy, okay? What we realized later is that we, we didn't actually know how thin the walls were from our house to her house. Uh, literally, we're next door, like, wall, together, and that wall in between us is incredibly thin, <laughs> incredibly thin. Like if I had a wall in front of me right now, that's what it is, right? And I realized this, that we don't have enough soundproof to cover everything, right? But the thing is, we only realized this when we went through complaint after complaint after complaint after complaints, because we had no idea in the beginning. What I'm getting to is this. You won't know what foundation you're building on unless you're tested. That's the reality of life. You won't know what foundation you're building on unless you're tested. 
Like, let's be real for a second, y'all, okay? You are going to experience a lot of pain in this life. You're going to experience a lot of pain. All of us will. The reality is a lot of pain, a lot of the pain you go through is probably maybe some of it is in your control, but a lot of it is outside of your ability to control, right? Jesus even said in John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So a lot of times it's actually not your fault. Like you can get in a freak accident, right? A truck can just come out of nowhere and hit you on the side. Somebody you love betrays you or hurts you. The job you're working at gets downsized. You have no control over those things. Maybe, you know, maybe this is very close to some of you, but a close family member of yours develops a tumor in their body. A lot of pain will happen in your life and beyond your control. And I think we can all agree with this. But Jesus said that everything we build in this world, friends, your jobs, your family, your reputation, whatever it may be, it will be tested and you will see where your house is being built on. And so as we look at that, there are three particular points that I want, to, want us to highlight on as we go about these next 40 days of obedience. And these next three thoughts, they're very simple and straightforward. But I believe if we as individuals and as a church, if we take on the discipline to obey we will start to see so many people here flourishing in the name of Jesus Christ. Flourishing. You guys will be growing. You guys will be seeing who you are in Christ. You guys will be seeing your purpose in Christ. That whatever purpose you have that is not of Christ, you will see a greater purpose in him. And so the first point is this. Jesus demands us to hear him. Jesus demands us to hear him. One of the great difficulties for many of us is the simple fact that we don't know what Jesus taught. We could have attended church all our life, but yet we still don't know the person of Christ in a personal and real way. Maybe even worse, many of you have a mistaken notion of what Jesus said in the Bible and what the church teaches. Because for some of us, we base our belief in God in only the things we hear from other people, right? We often do, what we often do is that we don't seek for ourselves by hearing the word of God, but rather many of us choose to find affirmation in our own opinions. Now, I'll, I'll kind of explain this to you guys. Like, I, you know, for me, I'm the type of guy who needs affirmation. <laughs> You know, I'll act like I, I'm, not, I'm not receiving it. I'll act like, you know, it's not a big deal. But I swallow that thing whole, okay? I swallow, I swallow affirmation whole. Like words of affirmation speak more. Like for, us, for some of us here, words of affirmation can speak more loudly to you than let's say like receiving gifts, right? But for many of us, what we can agree is whether it's big or small, we all desire a little bit of affirmation. We all desire it. You know, it gives us confidence. It helps us feel good about ourselves. And see, this is what happens, is that we are always seeking for affirmation. Affirmation in our jobs. Affirmation if whether we said the right thing or not. Affirmation from our loved ones. 
Like, these are not bad things. Affirmation is not a bad thing. But let me challenge that this can even gravitate us towards our pursuance of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me go deeper on this thought. Some of you in this place, your interpretation of Jesus Christ, your interpretation of who he is, is based on sermons. Based on sermons. Like, my pastor said this, my pastor said that. Or maybe some of you, it could be your leaders. Your leaders. And these things are not bad. Because we need the accountability. We need people to speak into our life at times. But my question is to you, then, is this. Who are you hearing? Who are you hearing? Because there is a fine line to what is of God and what is a personal opinion. There's a fine line to that. And this is fascinating because what the wise person does is that he or she surrenders their opinions, their thoughts, not to lessen what is going on in their mind and hearts, but it's because they understand the magnitude and gravity of the word of God. Because how often have you heard this before? I know this is what the, what the word of God says, but I cannot believe it right now. I cannot believe it in my struggle. I cannot believe it when I'm going through a breakup. I cannot believe it when I'm going through a lost loved one. But my response to that is this. What are you doing? What are you doing? In the moments of extreme disparity and trials, it should be directing us to our Father who is sustainable, who is able to lead you out, who is able to show you a bigger picture. But yet, in our flesh, we are constantly swaying back and forth, back and forth. And we look like that foolish person who's in the midst of the ocean being swayed left and right, left and right, not knowing where we're going. And I said it once and I'll say it again. This matter of hearing is so important that I would even say that the first step to Christian life is to give Christ a chance to be heard. Even when I say that, some people may say, well, I've already tried. I've given my time, but I still got nothing. I've been spending hours pursuing him. I've been reading about him, and I still got nothing. But brothers and sisters, let me say this. Our God, our God has been working since the beginning of time. To say that he isn't working based upon a few minutes, hours, months, or even some years speaks loudly to how little hearing we are doing. Our God is a big God. He has eternity in mind, while some of us have just a short-term goal. When you give Christ the chance to be heard through his word, in prayer, in your serving, in your trials, in your experiences, I believe God starts to be more revealed in your life, not because he hasn't shown it to you yet. He's already shown it to you through Jesus Christ but rather your heart and your mind are more willing to receive a little bit more of him. It's amazing what a heart of humility can do for an individual. Number two is this. Jesus demands us to do. Jesus demands us to do. I love this quote. Knowledge only becomes relevant when it is translated into action. Knowledge only becomes relevant when it is translated into action. Because what's the point of knowledge if it's not going to be used? What's the point of it? 
You know, for me, the thing that I fear most, and there's many, many fears that I wrestle with, but one of the many things is that, okay, for example, if I was given an exam based upon Christian ethics, how to be a good Christian, for me, I believe I would pass with flying colors. I believe that. It's not me bragging. This is actually making me look bad, actually. But growing up in the church, you start to learn and be taught what a Christian should look like based upon what you do. And I would often hear this, like, put a smile on your face. That will help people approach you. Serve on the worship team as a worship leader or as a drummer, and people will automatically consider you as holy. You know, for me, you know, they would tell me, dress a certain way so that people think you're a good Christian boy. Dress a certain way. Follow the rules and others will follow you. All these ethical beliefs, right? These are not technically bad, but what I'm trying to get to is that it's easy to act like a Christian while not being a Christian at all. Amen to that? This is why it's so important that you hear the word of God first and then it should translate into action. When we talk about hearing his word, we're talking about submitting to the authority of God's word, believing that God's word is good. And when you personally believe that in faith, that will be your source of doing. Brothers and sisters, there is little point in consulting a doctor about your health unless you are prepared to act upon the things the doctor tells you. There's little point in going to an expert unless we are prepared to act upon the advice given to us. And yet there are thousands, millions of people who listen to the teaching of Jesus Christ every single Sunday who have a very good knowledge of who he is and what he has taught and who yet make little or no deliberate attempt to put it into practice. Your source of doing is a matter of your source of hearing, brothers and sisters. How often do you hear God through his word and you find pleasure in it? We will go through ups and downs in life. We will. But what is consistent and never failing, man, is the word of God. It is the word of God. It is never failing. It is sustaining. So as Jesus encouraged us through this parable, I believe that it all sums up to this. It's my final point. Jesus demands our obedience. Jesus demands our obedience. I'm kind of proud of this because, you know, for me, I'm not actually a great math whiz, okay? I'm actually really bad at math. Like in high school, I almost didn't pass high school because my lack of mathematical knowledge, okay? But what I found, what I found is that even though I'm horrible at geometry, algebra, statistics, or whatever, whatever it may be, I'm very decent at addition, <laughs> right? I'm very decent at that. <laughs> what we see going on is that if you, if you sum, sum up both hearing and doing, that gives us the ultimate answer. That gives us the ultimate answer. You know, we all know Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'll put in my own equation, okay? It's this. Hearing plus doing equals obedience. Hearing plus doing equals obedience. Jesus demands our implicit obedience 
To learn to obey is the most important thing in life. It is Jesus' claim that obedience to him is the only sure foundation for life. And it is his promise that the life which founded on obedience to him is safe. It's safe. No matter what storms may come in your life, you know in full confidence that God is faithful. See, what the wise builder knows is that the resources and the needs of having a sure sure foundation is Christ himself. When this wise person hears God's word, this person does not get defensive, but humbles themselves and hears and does God's word in obedience to him. As I mentioned before, the foolish person's perspective is very short-sighted. It doesn't lead up to what this wise person's perspective is. That perspective is an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. What this means that because you have Jesus as a solid foundation, there is hope for eternal life. That your life here doesn't end on earth. It doesn't end here, but your life There's hope for you to live eternity with him. Because when you build on the foundation on Jesus the rock, you must ask the question, with what material are you building with? With what material are you building with? Will it endure? Are you building something that has eternal significance? You know, maybe for some of you in this place, You're still struggling on how to discern this. How will I know my foundation? I'll answer your question with another question. What is is exposed in your heart when trials come? What is exposed in your heart when trials come? Because some of us are building our houses on sand. And what many of you may not know at this very moment that possibly God wants to tear your house down so that you can fully know that you're not building on a solid foundation. Why? Because because he loves you too much. He loves you too much. He would go as far to tear your own house down so that you can see the unseen and the unnoticed. He wants you to see that he isn't your enemy that he is not your enemy. Rather, he is your father revealing to you his greatest desire for you, and that is to trust and obey his word. And so I'm going to end with this story. You know, for me, when I think about Peter, the disciple who was following Jesus, who said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to be there for you. And Jesus says to him, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, before the death of Jesus Christ, three different times, Peter says, I don't know him. I never heard of him. I don't know who you're talking about. He denied and failed Jesus. This devastation rested upon Peter. And then after the resurrection, Jesus appears to him and says, 
do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter, and Peter's like, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yes, I do. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. And Jesus forgives him. And Peter from that day on is so transformed that he preaches on the day of Pentecost one of the most powerful messages in the history of the world. And 3,000 people, 3,000 people are born into the kingdom of God. And Peter becomes this obedient and loving child that Jesus had predicted. And then when others come to Peter later on in his life, and say to him, unless you deny your faith, we will take your faith. We will take your life. And Peter says, I will never again deny my Lord and my Savior. And they said, then we're going to crucify you as your Savior died. But tradition tells us, he says, Peter says, I am unworthy to die as my Savior died. I am unworthy to die as my Savior died. So they crucified him upside down. So the same Jesus that Peter denied was the same Jesus that Peter was willing to die for. You know, when I look into this room, you know, I don't think many of us You know, it'll be great, but I don't think many of us will have a story like Peter's. And that's fine. God has a story for every single person here. But what it is today for many of us in this place, you could live your life wherever God has called you, whatever God has given you the ability to do, whatever career, whatever family, you can live your life standing on the firm foundation of Jesus by simply obeying the word of God. Because at the end of the day, what this brings, this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you, Father, for your amazing sacrifice in your son, Jesus, to show us the greatest example of love, that Jesus came down on earth to live amongst his people, to serve and not to be served, to love on them, and to most of all, to show us the greatest greatest example of love, and that is to die for our sins to live the life that we could never live, but to still take our sins and to die on that cross for us. Father, I pray that this truth, that this gospel of Jesus, Father, would never run dry, that we would always be on so much fire for you, 
that, Lord, that you build a firm foundation in our life. That if there's an area in our life that we are building on shaky foundations, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you bring confidence and boldness to say no to those things. That we will say yes to Jesus. That every single person in this place, I pray, Father, for the Spirit to be upon them right now, to convict their hearts. That if there is a place of sin that is consuming their life, I pray that the consuming fire will take over. That you would take over and that you'll have your way in us. And that, Lord, at the end of the day, we will give everything to you, that we would surrender our lives to our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that as your word speaks loudly to us, I pray that our hearts would be open to you, that we would hear your word, that we would do your word, and that we would obey your word. So, Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for hearing every prayer in this place, that, Lord, even broken hearts in this place, lost souls, that they can come to know Christ today. Father, we thank you. We love you.